Welcome to the Posture Strength and Mobility Podcast. I'm Isaac Osborne, and I'm here to share with you tips, tricks, hacks, interesting musings, and much more in short, digestible episodes. To learn more about how you can improve your posture, strength, and mobility, check out the show notes for links. Onward with the show. Welcome to episode 24, Carnivore Diet and Joint Pain. So in this episode, I interview Dr. Sean Baker. Dr. Sean Baker is a lifelong multi-sport elite level athlete and a medical doctor who served as a combat trauma surgeon and chief of orthopedics while deployed to Afghanistan with the United States Air Force. His focus in recent years has been on using nutrition as a tool for health, performance, and overall well-being. I was so happy to talk with Dr. Sean Baker. I read his book on the carnivore diet. Um, about a year ago and I've been on the carnivore diet for about a year I've noticed a significant difference in my body on the carnivore diet and I specifically wanted to talk to Dr. Baker about joint pain because of how many people suffer from joint pain and what I've seen in my own practice is uh, people going on a ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet or even a paleo diet or a low carb diet have seen a significant decrease in joint pain almost to sometimes where it completely goes away. So in this podcast, I wanted to kind of get into the weeds with him about some of what was going on in the body that uh, he thinks might be going on on this, especially on a carnivore diet. So here's today's episode with Dr. Sean Baker. I hope you enjoy it and check out the show notes for links of his book and Revero.com, his website. Well, welcome to my podcast, Sean. Uh, is it okay if I call you Sean? Of course, absolutely. I've been called a lot worse. So <laughs> Especially in this day and age, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so grateful to have you on the podcast today. And I really enjoy your book, The Carnivore Diet. And uh, I will post that in the show notes for, for people to link to. Also, I wanted to link people to Revero as well. Um, uh, there's some great... Uh, testimonials on there. And I'm sure we'll get into that today in the podcast. Um, One of the things that particularly uh, really interested me when I read your book, and I've been on the carnivore diet myself now for um, almost a year, and I've had some incredible changes in my body. And um, I'm absolutely loving it. And one of the things that I've noticed for myself, I have, I have joint degeneration in my left knee from a lot of injuries, surfing, kite surfing, and a bunch of extreme sports. And, um, I have zero, once I went on the carnivore diet, I would have a little bit of residual, you know, the stiffness in there and inflammation I felt like, and now it's, it's doing so well. It's just incredible. And what struck me the most, uh, when I read your book is your experience as an orthopedic surgeon and you were, um, you went on the ketogenic diet first, I believe. And then, um, you were so blown away by that you started having your patients do it, I think. And then, um, you started seeing different results with that and stopped doing as much surgeries. And, um, I would love to hear a little bit about that story and then kind of dive into, um, anything that you know about, I was looking at some of the research, um, like the very low carbohydrate diet that you just posted on Instagram recently, the research on that and any other research of kind of like the mechanism would love to dive in the weeds with you, the mechanism behind why this might be happening for people to, you know, ankylospondylolisthesis and, you know, like on the, on the Rivero website, there's a lot of testimonials about joint pain and herniated discs and, and so forth that 
people are getting out of that pain by going on the carnivore diet. And I'd love to, you know, jump into the weeds of that with you um, today. So thank you again for coming on. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me and allowing me to, to, to connect with your audience. Um, I think that, you know, from my perspective, you know, what I saw as an orthopedic surgeon, obviously I dealt with a lot of joint pain. That was largely what I saw day in and day out mm-hmm. is that, yeah, when we switched diets and I was switching over to a low carb ketogenic diet, this is before the carnivore days, I was clearly seeing people uh, seeing significant improvements in their joint pain. And, you know, the, the, the classic thing is what we, we think, well, you lost weight and therefore there's less mechanical stress on the joint. And that's what I was taught as a surgeon. And many people still sort of believe that, but we're discovering now that there's much more than that. There's a, there's a significant biological or inflammatory component that occurs through changes in diet, through loss of body fat that that's occurring. It's probably the major effect, the inflammatory effect. Um, you know, you're right about, uh, and yeah. And so basically I had patients that would see me and, and I'd look at their x-rays and they were being horrible pain and, quite honestly, the next step would have been a knee replacement or a hip replacement for them. And we said, well, let's just try this diet. And more often than not, they'd come back and say, hey, my my hip doesn't hurt anymore. My knee doesn't hurt anymore. And then at that point, it was like, well, then there's no point in doing surgery on you, right? And that's a great win. It's not great for a hospital that's trying to make a lot of money, but it works well for the patients. That, That kind of got me down this road. And then I delved into, you know, even more nutritional research and ended up doing this carnivore thing, which to me had even better results than these other low carb diets. And so mm-hmm. um, with regard to the research and why we think that's going on, you know, I think in, in general, I think there's an inflammatory component and we have this systemic uh, inflammation that occurs and, you know, we see it all over the body, different joints ache. And that probably has to do to some degree with uh, gut irritation, gut inflammation, gut permeability issues, which we see, which resolve with diet in many cases. And then, you know, like I said, like you said, there's just a study that just came out that uh, the folks from Verta Health put out. This is a two-year data on their folks that were diabetics, and they saw significant reductions in osteoarthritic knee pain for those that had, uh, you know, uh, continuous carb reduction. So pretty significant, um, you know, well-done study there. Uh, University of Alabama put out a study, I think, two years ago looking, comparing uh, low-fat diets to low-carb diets and saw clearly that the low-carb diets were much more efficacious for reducing, you know, arthritic knee pain. So we've seen that. And then there was another study that was done looking at something called the fibroblast-like synovial site, which is a cell that lines the inside of our joints. And synovial fluid is that lubricating fluid that all of our major joints produce to help us have smooth, you know, range of motion. And those synovial sites, when exposed to high levels of insulin, insulin actually start to produce all these uh, inflammatory cytokines, which end up damaging the joint, you know, causing the pain and inflammation in the joint. And then also having this excess body fat, adipose tissue puts out these also adipokines or inflammatory cytokines from the adipocytes, which again, will have an impact on there. So I think it's, it's largely being mediated through inflammation of the different, and there's all kinds of inflammatory mediators. So why is it, why is it that, um, well, I think maybe we should, for the listeners that aren't familiar with the carnivore diet, can I uh, give them a little bit of a, a background of what the carnivore diet as opposed to like a keto or a paleo, a paleo diet. I, for one, was on paleo for like 20 years. And when I went on the car, carnivore, I, I noticed a difference on paleo, but it was a whole nother level when I went to carnivore. And um, so carnivore basically is just meat, right? And no carbs. And, um, keto has some carbs, right? With 
roughly 50 grams of carbs a day. So why, why would it be that those carbohydrates are creating that inflammation in the body? You're, you're thinking gut, there's a gut connection there. What is it about carbohydrates that would do that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I mean, let me be clear. Humans have been omnivore. We're omnivorous creatures. Um, I think we were heavily carnivorous as we evolved. I mean, there's pretty good evidence that shows that. And we kind of, in recent times, and I mean, recent times since sort of the agricultural revolution, some 10,000 years ago, we started, you know, relying more on, you know, plant-derived calories. And it's not necessarily carbohydrates, you know, because there are some carbohydrates in animal products. You know, milk has some, dairy has some eggs have a little bit, you know, there's a little tiny amount, you know, and, you know, if you depending on how fresh your meat is. Uh, but for the most part, um, I, I do think that there is an issue in the gut and, you know, obviously it would make sense. Why would food, if the food first place that food interacts with us is in our gut. And so if we're having gut issues, uh, and I think it's not necessarily the glucose in, in, in carbohydrate, that's a problem. Uh, we make glucose. I mean, we, it's essential for our life. And even, even myself, who doesn't really eat any appreciable carbohydrate at all, still produces plenty of glucose. I have no problem with that. Uh, we are very well designed to, to turn protein and both protein and fats into glucose. And the, 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 the interesting thing is we can't turn fat or, pro, or sorry, fat or carbohydrate into protein. So it's one of those things that's one way street. But I think what we do see is, you know, even these so-called healthy Fruits and vegetables that so many people have been told are always so healthy for us. We need to eat, you know, we need to eat bushelfuls of, you know, cups and cups, 10 cups a day of vegetables and eat the rainbow and as much as possible. And, you know, you look at some of these diets and literally it's like none of these foods even grow in the same state, country, and even continent in many cases. And so you're like, I've got to make this diet that would have never been even possible, even, even 150 years ago, it would be almost impossible to make that diet. Uh, and so what we're seeing is, and it's not that I think, you know, fruits and vegetables are bad for people necessarily. Um, they're certainly better than junk food. So when you go on a whole food plant-based diet and you eliminate all the crap, you're going to see an improvement in your health. And, you know, like I said, if you have to choose between eating garbage and eating fruits and vegetables, you certainly eat fruits and vegetables, but I don't think they're quite as nutritious, bioavailable uh, as things like meat, dairy, and eggs can be. And for some people, not everybody, but for some people, particularly people that already have a compromised gut, some of these compounds in the different plants just cause irritation. They probably contribute to gut permeability issues, which secondary leads to chronic inflammation and some of these problems that we mentioned. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, they eat, you know, they notice it. I mean, they eat a big old fibrous salad and all of a sudden their guts are bloated and it hurts and it's uncomfortable. That's not normal. I mean, well, we kind of normalize it because it's so common but it's like saying, have a big beer belly. It's normal. No, it's not. You shouldn't be walking around with a big gut. You know, I don't right. care how old you are, but we normalize it. We normalize bloated guts just because, you know, we look around, everybody's like that. And we think, oh, that's normal, but it's truly not. It's, 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 it's a, it's a compromised way to live. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, so you think that, do you think that the systemic inflammation is, is considerably like you were talking about the cytokines and are those actually going in and with that inflammation and basically contributing to the joint degeneration in people? Well, there's evidence to suggest that the answer is yes. Now, I mean, joint degeneration, there's, there are a number of things that go on there, but, but inflammatory cytokines certainly have a role, mixed metalloproteinases and all kinds of things. There's possibly some glycation that's going on. So when we talk about glycation, 
Uh, most of us are, are familiar with, whether we know it or not, something called a Meyer reaction, which is basically this caramelization that occurs and it happens between proteins and, and sugars and proteins typically, but it can happen with other you know, uh, compounds as well. So we see like when we toast bread or we, you know, sear meat, we get this browning effect. Mm -hmm. And you actually see that in the human body over time. It's just a very slow process. And so like when I stick a camera in someone's knee who's older and they've got some degenerative change, I see that very same thing. The cartilage, like if I, if I, if I stick a scope in a 12 year old kid, pristine white, it looks beautiful. It's a perfect surface. You do the same thing on a 50 year old uh, male and it's now brown and crispy. You know, it looks like it's been just, it's kind of <laughs> gently heated. And, oh, what no. and what we're seeing, I think, is this glycation occurring, this myoid reaction occurring. And that has to do probably with chronic exposure to elevated sugar levels, uh, among other things. So there's a lot of things that go on into uh, the destruction of joints. But, I, but these inflammatory cytokines certainly have a significant role. Yeah, that brownie, I would imagine it makes things more brittle inside the joint, right? Well, so it has, yeah, it has yeah. that elasticity in there and things. Yeah, we, yeah we call it friable where it just breaks very easy. You can, you, it just, huh. you turn a certain way, it starts to crack and, you know, then it becomes, oh. you know, get little pieces floating around in your knee and it's not fun. I, I've never heard of that. That's interesting. I've never heard of that glycation before, um, but that's fascinating. Do you think that's uh, once that starts to happen, in someone's joint, is it, is it reversible or is it kind of like, it's over pal, like <laughs> you're done? <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I suspect if it's just, you know, early stage glycation, you know, and then you, you sort of are no longer exposed to that. I think over time we do see uh, uh, some degree of, of, of improvement, I believe. I mean, clinically we see it all the time. I see it all the time with people with joint pain getting better, as you know, as you just mentioned right. in the experience. Right. Uh, so I suspect to some degree it may be now, if somebody has all their cartilage gone and they're bone on bone, I'm not expecting, you know, cartilage to magically start growing. Right. In there. right. But, but I do, I think, you know, to some degree it can be, I mean, it may be a very slow process. Hmm. Yeah. That'd, that'd be interesting to have a, a track, a study on that. With some It'd of take a while. Yeah. That, the study yeah. hasn't been done, so I can't say definitively, but I suspect there's probably, I mean, it's possible for sure. So how fast, um, and did you start noticing a difference in your patients? Like you, you were doing mostly ketogenic diet, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What, I mean, was, what was the turnaround time typically for people? Well, I mean, I would often see people like, you know, you know, as a physician, I've seen everybody seeing people every day. You see them when they come back to your clinic and I would see people sometimes, you know, two weeks, they come back and say, Hey, my knee doesn't really hurt anymore. Two weeks. And they really haven't lost much weight. They may have lost a couple of pounds. This, you know, this might be someone who's, hundred pounds overweight and you put them on a, on a, you know, low carb ketogenic diet and you know, they lose a couple pounds, you know, five, right. five pounds, maybe. And they're all of a sudden they're like, my knee doesn't hurt much or it's almost gone. And so it was, it was clearly, it was not significant weight loss. It was driving. It was probably a pretty dramatic decrease in infl inflammation. And again, it has to do with, you know, the compliance level and how motivated these mm -hmm. people are. You know, you tell people to do right. this, people do it. Some people don't. Exactly. Yeah, I would see it. And, 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 you know, since that time, you know, uh, you know, I, I've seen people literally report sometimes within days, they, they, they feel the joints uh, get better. So it can be very fast. The data we have on, you know, I, I've got data on about 12,000 people doing a carnivore diet seems to indicate that, well, some people have a very early response. Most people, it's about a three month period where, where, you know, by three months, many people will notice a, a big significant improvement. 
that's particularly what I noticed after 90 days. I, I thought I'm going to try this for 90 days. And I noticed a huge difference after 90 days in my, um, just everything weight loss. Um, I had digestional issues, um, that I've had forever and all that went away. It just blew my mind. Um, what do you think about, uh, hyaluronic acid? Is there any, is there any effect on the carnivore diet and hyaluronic acid? You know, this is one of these, you know, obviously, uh, well, it depends on what you're talking. Hyaluronic acid is something we often inject as orthopedic surgeons. There's different mm-hmm. brand names, Synvisc, uh, you know, right. so remember that, that we used to do, you know, that, you know, as far as injecting it into the joints, mm-hmm. it's pretty questionable as, as to whether or not it actually really works. I mean, the people that produce it obviously will tell you it's, it's the greatest thing in the world. And there's some people that will notice that they don't, they, they see some improvement temporarily, but I'm not convinced it provides that much benefit, to be honest. Um, you know, and I, and I did literally thousands of those injections over the years as a surgeon, but I think, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, I'm not convinced this would have been the best course of action. Um, when you're talking about, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of people like to talk about uh, glucosamine and some of these other supplements you can take. Again, it's kind of questionable in my view that it seems to help. There's some animal studies that seem to show a, a benefit. I think, you know, honestly, um, well, you know, kind of, let me kind of rephrase that question a little bit because uh, hyaluronic acid, uh, hyaluronic acid is is produced in the body, correct? Yeah, it's it's it's, right. it's a synovial so, fluid. It's a synovial fluid. It's one right. of the components of synovial fluid, right? So what what I'm what I'm thinking is, and it also helps like lubricate connective tissue and the layers of connective tissue and and that as well, right? It's kind of is found in connective tissue. Well, I mean, it's typically, uh, I mean, the, the place where it's classically seen is within a synovial fluid, which is a lubricant, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, does it have a roles in the other part of the body? Yes, it does. But it's like I said, its main function is from my experience is lubrication for the joints, lubrication of the joints. So do you think that maybe, cause like you were saying, you used, you used to inject it in people's joints to help people's lubrication, that sort of thing to improve the lubrication. Do you think that the systemic inflammation that is happening from the poor quality diet is potentially, um, well, you have the, the, the drying up the tissue, the browning of the tissue, it's potentially drying up the hyaluronic hyaluronic acid as well. Right. Have you, have you seen anything on that or? Yeah. I mean, when you, analyze, when you analyze joint fluid, that mm-hmm. is an arthritic knee, the quality is very different. And you, you see a lot of the, the lubricating property is gone. It becomes thin and water, watery. So it's like, instead of, instead of putting oil in your engine, you're putting water in your engine. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not going to, it's not going to work as well. So yeah, you do yeah, see, a, you see a significant uh, change in the characteristics and in, in the, in the viscosity. And the uh, you know the lubricating qualities of the joint fluid. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I would I would I would think that that's happening around around the rest of the body too, and the ligaments and tendons and and layers of musculature and everything is just getting more like beef jerky like rather than. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we talk about this concept of glycation. You certainly yeah. see that in the tendons and the muscles and the ligaments. They all they all become you know they they, they become compromised, and so your tissue mm-hmm. quality. And then you're more prone to injury, you know, and right. you tear things or you have chronic pain. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. Have you, have you struggled with any, uh, before you were on the, uh, the, the carnivore diet or keto? Have, did you struggle with any type of pain yourself? 
Yeah, I had pretty significant tendonitis in my white my my right quadriceps tendon, mm. and I, I I think I sustained that you know squatting. I was doing a five hundred pound squat, and I just felt like a little pain, and it just bothered me, you know, continuously for about ten years. And you know, as a surgeon, I was like, you know, as an orthopedic surgeon, I was like, I know how to treat tendinopathy. I tried everything I could, and nothing ever worked. And then I went on a carnivore diet, and within two months, it was like gone. It's never come back. And so it was one of those really weird things. I had it for ten years, and now it's gone, and I don't have to deal with that anymore. So it's been really, really kind of cool. Yeah, I think most of the most of the time when I people when I tell people the carnivore diet, number one, they're like, you know, that's not healthy. You can't eat meat all the time. Number two, they don't believe me when when I talk about all the because I I started researching it because of my own intestinal issues, and I saw so many so many um, people talking about how it improved it. I was like, God, this can't be possible. And cause I heard about the carnivore diet back in 2017, I think on um, uh, what's his name? Robert. Uh, no, the keto savage. What's his name? Yeah, Robert Sykes. Yeah, yeah. Robert Sykes. And, and I was like, no, no, that's just, that's just wrong. And so I started researching it about a year ago and I couldn't believe the differences that people were reporting. So I had to try it for myself. Uh, and I, it's again, I had great results. So, um, you still compete, right? And don't you do uh rowing? Well, I'm, I, I still do it in training. I haven't, you know, I, I've kind of stepped away from that. I think a little bit, I might still do a little bit, but I, I'm not doing jujitsu. That's, that's kind of my, my sort of passion for the, probably the next decade. That's something that I'll probably, I, you know, I'll, I'm obviously new to that, so I'm going to be competing in that very soon. But I, yeah, I'm still very much a, a, an athlete and very much a competitor and training hard mm-hmm. and doing all those things. I'm 55 now, and so I continue to just continue to push. Awesome, man. Um, what have you noticed in athletes in their performance, uh, specifically, you know, again, joint pains again, but but their performance increase in the on the carnivore diet? Yeah, well, I mean, again, I think it's something that you have to look at the whole picture, you know, particularly, you know, older athletes like myself, when you don't have joint pain, when you recover well, you tend to do better. You know, you know, if you look at the overall training perspective and some people say, well, you can't perform without carbohydrates. Uh, a lot of people struggle initially, you know, when they, particularly high performing athletes, if they go and, and they drop carbs out significantly. And for them, it's often a period of being willing to adapt to the diet because there can be a a relatively long adaptation period of several months to even as much as a full year. And so a lot of people aren't willing to do that. Um, I find that, you know, for me, I can compete at a very high level. I'm competing against guys 20, 30 years younger than me without problem. I have no problem competing and doing things at a very high intensity uh, over and over again. I sleep better. I recover better. I don't have as much soreness or stiffness which allows me to continue to train hard. And so that's been a positive. I've seen a number of uh, athletes at the very highest levels, professional sports, uh, NFL guys, you know, professional rugby players, professional MMA guys doing a carnivore diet without, without problem and doing very, very well. So in, in many cases saying they feel better and perform better than they ever had, you know, in their career. So it can be a very, very good strategy for people. Do you, um, do you ever, have you experienced, I know a lot of people on carnivore experience muscle cramps. Um, does that ever happen to you? Or if so, would yeah, you occasionally, I mean, I've gotten, I've had cramps occasionally. It's hard to say because, you know, it's like, you know, something like 60% of people over a certain age get cramps. So some of that's just 
naturally associated with aging. Um, but I, but I find that for me, uh, sometimes if I do some really extremely hard training and perhaps I, I, I maybe get behind on electrolytes a little bit, then sometimes I'll have a cramp with that. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, there's a, there's seems like it'll happen for a day or two and then it won't happen again for six months or a year. And so it's kind of one of those things that's, and I, and I, I can't for, for sure say what I did different because I'm pretty consistent about what I do. Uh, it seems to be either I'm not eating enough or maybe, maybe I'm not hydrated enough, but that's, that's when I've noticed that. What do you, what do you uh, use for your electrolytes? Uh, so, I mean, I salt my food. I mean, I salt the taste. Sometimes I'll use a little product called Element. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll have that. Like sometimes I'll throw it in a big giant jug of water and, and, and drink that before I work out or during, mm-hmm. like during my jujitsu, I'm usually, you know, having that between, you know, we have a little water break. So I'll go and you know, drink a little of that. But, but that's, that's what I've been doing. Is that, is that what you think, um, or have found that most people that get the muscle cramps is, is there just a, the electrolyte balance? Is that, is that a main issue for them? You know, it's, it, there's certainly people that see that changing their salt, salt one way or the other seems to help with that. I can't say it's everybody's problem. Some people just don't eat enough. And I think that's a problem. Some people sometimes is not getting enough fat in the diet. Sometimes when people get really, really lean, they tend to cramp more. Uh, you know, I, I can't say there's a consistent, this is a solution for everybody because I've seen right. a number of different people do one thing that helps and other people do other things that help. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, something I don't, I, I don't think we can say for sure. And the cramps are really hard to study. You know, it's hard to do a study on muscle cramps because it's unpredictable. You can't really, you know, you can't really take people and watch them sleep and say, when are they going to have a cramp at night or watch them exercise and, you know, plan for a cramp. It's, it's a difficult thing to study. Yeah. There's a lot of different ratios, huh? About that. I know that, um, Paul Saladino talks about, he was in, he was having heart palpitations and getting lots of cramps on the carnivore diet. And so he started eating fruit and feels that that was, that was the main thing for him that, that changed things. But I, I tried to experiment with fruit a little bit and then I just found that it just kind of bloated me more uh, again. So I went back on the carnivore and that, that goes away. So it's, it's interesting to hear what your opinion on that is. Um, excellent. So I think that what I'd love to, because I think it's amazing what you're doing at, over at Rivero, I'd love to hear you talk about what you're doing over on Rivero, um, give, you, give you some time to talk about that, because um, it's just, if you just go on the site, I'll put a link in the show notes for the site, the testimonials in there, are just, I, I just go through there and I'm like, like holy cow, like it's just, you know, over and over again, there's, there's a lot of testimonials on there. And I know that um, you're launching the, well, you had that, the crowdfunding for uh, the Rivero, um, the app that you guys are coming out with. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Rivero is obviously the company I founded. I've got a co-founder that's an AI engineer, you know, mm-hmm. Silicon Valley person that, uh, uh, you know, we basically, obviously, you know, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. We've seen literally thousands and thousands of people reverse diseases of all, of just about any type you can think of, which is kind of, I think it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to scale this up to a, a large national and international level, uh, you know, eventually have employers that utilize us to, to, to help their employees and eventually get on insurance plans so that people can prescribe Rivero 
as a treatment method. And so that's what we're planning on doing. Uh, we you know, obviously we need money to do that. So we've been raising money both on the private side. So we've got a number of private, you know, big, big name investors uh, that, have, that have done that. And then we've opened it up for public side because we, we like the public people. One, we know the public people have been supportive of this. And two, we'd like to be able to let them have a return on their investment. You know, like I said, it's something that as we grow, which we um, fairly certainly will grow to a significant size, then that investment will be worth uh, hopefully quite a bit for, for those people that, that wanted to invest. So we, the investment is through a place called republic.com and then slash Revero, R-E-V-E-R-O. Um, that allows you to invest as little as $150, uh, you know, up to up to whatever, you know, I think I think there's up to $50,000 or something like that. And we've had just a tremendous response with that. It's going to, we're going to, we're going to show, I think on April 25th, we shut off the investment and we're done at that point. So whenever we get to, I think we'll probably end up getting about $3 million from the public side and then, uh, you know, similar amount from the private side. And that'll allow us to hire positions. We've already, we're already interviewing positions to be part of the team, um, you know, do clinical trials, um, you know, obviously expand what we're doing as far as using AI and, and, and some of the technology that's going to help people to, you know, you know, collect their feedback, provide support, motivation, you know, have, continue with the coaching support and just do whatever it takes to get people healthy and get them off meds and, and reverse their diseases. Our mission is not just to, you know, do X, Y, and, you know, do some small things. We want to get people actually healthy off meds, back into life, being productive, happy members of society because we've got too many damn sick people and they're all miserable. And it's, it's, it's making for a miserable experience for everybody, quite honestly. Yeah, what is it? Eighty something percent of America Americans have metabolic disorder or something like that. Well, I mean, there was a recent study that showed that eighty eight percent of Americans are not metabolically healthy, which means only twelve percent are. And you know, if you look at our obesity rates, right now, you know, you know, overweight obesity, something like seventy five percent of the country. Frank obesity is at forty five percent, projected to hit fifty percent by twenty thirty, I believe. So, I mean, pretty soon it's going to be you're going to be in the minority if you're not obese, which is just completely insane. That's nuts. That's absolutely nuts that we have that much that has gone that far. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I know that you're short on time today. Um, you've answered all my questions that I have for you. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for jumping on the call with me today. And uh, I know you're short on time. So I really, really appreciate it. Like I'm, I'm a small fry out here doing my little po- podcast. And I was so stoked that when you came back like, Hey, yeah, I'll jump on the podcast with you. That stoked me out. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Um, and I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope we can do it again. I wish you the best of luck with Revero and everything that you're doing. And um, is there anything that you would like to say to the, to, this is going to be on YouTube and on uh, Apple podcasts and so forth listeners um, of how to get started or to learn more information about I'll put your book in the show notes and stuff, but um, any advice for anybody out there that getting started on a carnivore diet or interested or what they should think about? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me on and, you know, I'm happy to talk to anybody. I, I, I love talking about this stuff and it's, you know, anybody, anytime I can reach more than one person, I'm happy to do it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first of all, I think you should realize that, you know, the healthcare system is not really designed to, really help to the degree that we want to. And so sometimes you have to 
you know, kind of be your your own best advocate. And and it, it may not be too late. And there may be a lot of things that can be done. And it may, I mean, what we do at Rivero is helps a lot of people and we're always happy to help people, but at least start that discussion, start that thought process going that you can actually change yourself. Cause you, I, you know, I, I cannot tell you the number of people that have gone from literally being bedridden to dancing and singing and playing and jumping and getting back into life. So don't ever count yourself out. You can always get better. Uh, and like I said, hopefully if you have a supportive system around, it's going to really make it easier. And then, and then knowing what to do. And that's what we, that's where we come in. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today. Isaac, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining me for this episode. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave a positive review so others may find it and get help too. Check out the show notes for links on how to win a mini integrator massage gun, posture strength and mobility classes that focus on corrective exercises, or self-myofascial release protocols for neck pain, back pain, knee pain, plantar fasciitis, and much more with my massage gun, The Integrator. Until next time, keep exploring your body and stay curious. Stay curious.